Here, I thought we were already. No, I'm not wasting time. Hello. (laughs) I apologize for for those of you who are with us on YouTube, seeing all the garbage, all of you on Facebook who have been with us for some of the garbage, and for all of you on the audio, on Anchor, and whoever else who miss out on all of the best garbage. So It's the best garbage. Templeton the rat, I would have thought so. so. There is a fan. Anyway. Oh, you missed the pop culture, didn't you? You missed it. I missed it. I didn't because I saw you. That's true. <laughs> I didn't miss you because I saw so, you. Um, and I get TikTok sent to my phone all the true. time. <laughs> so even when you don't see me, you see me. Um, <laughs> the Chinese are loving this. <laughs> it's about to get banned, so I have to do what I can. Um, anyway, we are back in numbers. We are. That's enormous. <laughs> Yes, that's how I, that's how I can <laughs> I be up there. I just said that for the first time. Sorry. So this is primarily a 16-point font. Oh, with, golly. I just looked with over at interspersed his. some 12 and 14. I just looked so. at his notes over there. Yeah. <laughs> Quite large. Well, anyway, yeah, so that's okay. That's that's how I don't have to keep taking my glasses on and off during the podcast or during the sermon. Smart. So. <sighs> Unfortunately, my Bible is still in the typical tiny print that is always there. As we've been asked uh, for a large print Bible for Christmas. I have a larger print Bible, but unfortunately, I can't get it in the Heaven's Preferred translation uh, of the older NIV. So, Curtis if Barr I could says, find one, then seeing your cherub-like face is never garbage. Thank you, Curtis. <laughs> so now he's blushing. Cur- Curtis is happy because we have the same hairline, so uh, it works out well. It is very so. cherub-like, I suppose. <clears throat> if you're going to now see now having heard a comment from Curtis, I'll be on, on an '80s rock kick now for the rest it of the could day. Be because, uh, that's, it could be worse. That's could be worse. That was the the early bonding of uh, our relationship, Curtis and I, back in the '80s, rocking out to all the hair bands and some that were not yet hair bands, but rocked even even more so. So. Early memory of Curtis, he introduced me to Daniel Band, Canadian mm-hmm. rockers, uh, who really uh, tore it up. So any of you who want to get educated in 80s rock, check out Daniel Band. Do you, Canadians you can, tear it up? You can. Well, I'll let you be the judge. <laughs> I'll let you be the judge. Anyway. I would have said that about people from, from Washington before the 90s as well. But you well, know, there, a lot of things came out of there. So. Seattle. Anyway, we're back in numbers. It feels like yeah. it feels like we haven't been here since last year. You know, <laughs> that's good stuff. So this is my dad joke. It is a sad way to start out the year with a podcast <laughs> that that is just kind of stumbling through, you know, like a defensive lineman picking up a fumble and trying to score. So uh, it you had to get the football, has been a football weekend. Not that I got to see any the other only football I saw was on TikTok that the Dallas Cowboys punter missed like four extra points. The, in a the row. kicker. Yeah. He, he uh, it's the difference between a punter not, and a kicker. There is significant. <laughs> there's also a very big difference in pay as well. Oh, but there is uh, <laughs> one is for scoring and the other is, but for, it's not the same guy. And the other is for giving up. I, so, <laughs> I know that they do both, but it's not the same guy. Generally. No. <gasps> Very specialized. So sometimes, you know, sometimes they'll cross over, but, but uh, not full time. In Interesting. Fact, somebody well, recently you know? had their punter kick a, attempt to kick a field goal. Uh, I don't remember who it was, but anyway. anyhow, my father-in-law was texting me after, you know, after bedtime. So it was, it was probably, I don't even know what time I went to bed. Eight o'clock. Uh, no, that's... <laughs> That's not my life. I'm getting ready to eat supper somewhere <laughs> oh, after eight o'clock. I would have o'clock, such digestive so, issues. Um, anyway. We're we're hoping to get home by eight o'clock at some point. But anyway, the uh, he, my my father in law's up watching the game and texting me, and so I got to 
that, that's how I get to watch football is the texts I get from the play by play. It's been a while since I've actually watched a whole football game. That's what the Super Bowl is for. It's the one time it's set apart for me. Even so if you don't care about the it's, teams, it's set apart. It's consecrated, if you will. Um, which actually, as we we're going back to this two isn't what weeks we're doing ago, this, year, this week, the, the, <laughs> I was say. so last week uh, when we were going to come back and did not uh, for health purposes, apparently we were in, a, a, mask, we were in a, a localized uh, shutdown. So as, as we are um, getting back into numbers, we picked up with numbers 15 and because these are both longer passages, uh, numbers 15 uh, number 16, both, um, I'm not going to take the time to read the text, but in numbers 15, uh, we're looking at having come through all of the, the story, getting to the promised land and having, um, the Lord's people reject the Lord's, uh, provision and the Lord's promise, uh, and ultimately his presence. And then they, uh, they're sent back into the wilderness for the 40 years now, after that, and don't really know how this fits chronologically. It's not given to us that way, and it doesn't appear to be a chronological um, part of the story uh, so much as here's here's what God is saying. Mm -hmm. So we have this break where the, the spies have gone in, they come back. Oh, awesome stuff. Scary giants. God obviously can't handle this for us. Let's go back. We'll reject Moses and go to our thing. Uh, so they uh, end up then changing their mind. And the Lord says, it's too late. You, the sentence has already been, been passed. You're going into the wilderness. No, we think we're going to go in anyway and fight. They get whooped on. Uh, and now in chapter 15, uh, we have this um, sort of a, a short uh, picture of laws um, describing some sacrificial law uh, and, and how they're going to go about this. And the whole point of chapter 15 seems to be very, uh, very much pointing out that those who belong to the Lord must live set apart to the Lord. They're, they're, they're to be consecrated to him. As God's people, they have laws to live by mm -hmm. that, that uh, reflect who God is. And so that's, you know, that's kind of the, the picture that we have here. They're not keeping the laws to become God's people. They're already chosen by God. And therefore, because you belong to God, now you live as if you belong to God with a life set apart to him. And so when we look at that and chapter 16, they kind of, you know, chapter 16 goes together because what ends up happening is they're immediately, now again, chronology isn't really the point here, but, but these concepts are stacked. So as uh, the writer of this, uh, I believe it to be Moses, but as he's recording this, God has inspired him to, to tell the story, to lead up to this place, then explain, here's how my people are, are set apart. You know, here's one, you know, we've seen this already before. We'll see it again. The entire book of Leviticus was dedicated to it, but you are to be holy to me. Mm -hmm. So you're going to do holy things. You're going to, to uh, live holy, and I'm going to make provision for you when you fail. Um, but if you're going to come in here and and have this high-handed attitude, this presumptuous attitude that says, you know, I see God's law, but I don't have to do it. I, right. I'm, I'm going to do what makes sense to me rather than doing what sense what makes sense according to Lord, the Lord's word. Then God does not offer provision for that. He says, instead, if you're going to sin in a high-handed, presumptuous way, then you're to be cut off from your people, which uh, seems to be pretty, pretty 
consistently a euphemism for um, being cut off from the land of the living. But in any case, even even in the the rare occasion where it's not that, the where they're put away, the it's it's a little like excommunication in the New Testament mm-hmm. if, for those who would call it that or disfellowshipping, where you are cut off from the body mm-hmm. so that you're being handed over to Satan. You're separated from the people of God, the house of God, from uh, symbolically separated from God in doing this. And so being cut off from God's people uh, is whether that's to be treated as a Gentile, to be to be cast aside and, and, and put away or to be executed. The essential result is the same because you're separated from God. You're you're dead. You're, you know, and that's the indication that goes on with this. So to sin high handedly brings that uh, that cutting off that that spiritual and often physical death that goes along with it. Well, in chapter 16, that's exactly what happens. So having laid all this out in chapter 15, now the next story that we receive is Korah's rebellion. So Korah, who is one of the Kohathites, a Levite group, one of the, the three major Levite divisions, uh, not including Aaron's family. So really you can see four. Aaron's family of Levites is the priesthood. And then you've got the, the Gershonites and the Kohathites and the Merarites that we see earlier in the book of Numbers who have specific jobs in taking care of the sacred things. And the Kohathites have the, the most, I don't know if I should say prestigious, but they, they have this special job of, um, of handling the uh, the sacred uh, artifacts that are in in the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. Now they can't go into there. They can't go into the tent of meeting. I can't go into this the, the most holy place and look upon these things, or they will they'll die. They'll be cut off from the people. Well, that's only for the for the priests for those from Aaron's line, but they have this the sacred responsibility of taking care of these things nobody else can even do that nobody nobody gets to touch it nobody gets to be a part of it uh there's no crossover in these jobs god's very specific you do this you do this you do this and and that's my declaration my word well cora um has this sort of egalitarian populist uh mentality i was just on the way in i happened to be listening to uh, a thing from rc sprawl talking about the philosophies of karl marx mm. and so uh you can see elements of that well you're not better than sure. us right. so cora says wait a minute moses aaron you know you're taking the priesthood to yourself you think you're better than us all of god's people are holy we're all priests before god which actually will be true when messiah comes and so now today we are a kingdom of priests uh as we see in uh we we see this in uh, peter's letters in particular in first peter but this concept that we have direct access to god is true now because christ is our priest forever Uh, we see that in hebrews 5 hebrews 7 that he's stepped in and has opened the way for us and and uh, most of us will remember from the crucifixion accounts uh, that that the temple veil was torn in two from top to bottom. So there's a, an indication of this being opened by God, this access. Well, that hasn't happened yet. And so God is establishing for his people that holiness, consecration, is a separation unto God, but also we are separated from God. And because of God's holiness, no human, 
no, no, no person can look on God and live. And we see that, you know, brought up time and time again. Korah says, hey, dudes, you think you're better than us? I don't think so. You know, we're, we're going to have access the same as everybody else because we're all God's people. We're all holy. There are no rules, right? There's, there's, sure so there's uh, this declaration that I get to define my role. I get to decide for myself rather than it sounds God. familiar. It does sound familiar, doesn't it? In fact, I wanted to get into that a little bit on Sunday. There just it wasn't enough time to, to bring it up. But the core reality that we see in chapter 16 is that sinful hearts resent God's sovereignty. So God has said this, and Korah and those who follow him, including 250 um, leaders from among the people from the various tribes who are not uh, Levites, they all come and, and they're, we can kind of see that, that, that egalitarian mentality that mm -hmm. says we all have access because they all are, are going to present censors before God with uh, the fire and incense. Even though they're not Levites at all, they're not uh, from Aaron's line. So then God uh, judges them harshly and he brings, he has uh, Moses tell him, bring all of y'all, bring your censors uh, and present them at the tent of meeting, which is exactly the opposite of what God has said. He said, if you want access, okay, come and do this. See how God handles it. If, if nothing happens, if just life goes on like normal, if, you know, if these people die of a natural cause and everything is as you would expect it to be, then God has not chosen us. But if God does something new, if the ground opens up and swallows these people, then you can know that God has called us to this office. We didn't seek it out. Moses didn't seek it. He resisted it. Aaron didn't seek it. This was God's appointment, God's sovereign election. And uh, so as, as God has elected them to this office, no sooner has, God, has Moses said it than, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> then God opens up the ground and swallows Korah and his followers. And the, the 250 with the censors, then um, God uh, consumes them with fire. So it's, it's interesting. A lot of times when you hear all these modern worship songs that talk about God, you know, let your fire fall on us. I don't know if that's really what you want. You know, that, that, that might, literally. might be a misunderstanding of, of what's going on here. So not, not that we haven't sung some of those songs, but I'm, I'm just saying we might want to think through what we're saying. Words are we're important. Doing things. Uh, so they're, they're consumed by this fire burned up and, and, uh, Aaron's son, Eliezer, then is to is to go and pull the censers out of the ashes of these rebels, take the ashes, the, the coals outside the camp where the unclean things are taken some distance away, get rid that of them. That not a fun there. job. No. And then take the censers, which had been used to approach the Lord, thus making them holy. God is, even though the act was unholy, the, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Now, he says, take these censers, hammer, we're going to remind everybody about this forever. Hammer them into sheets, overlay the altar so that future generations are going to always know mm. nobody brings this except for Aaron's family. And if you think you're going to, you think you're going to, you know, have this egalitarian mentality that says, well, we can, we're all equal, you know, we're all holy before God, so we can all do the same roles, we can all do the same things, then understand you're going to be like Korah and his followers not a good end. So that's kind of kind of where it wraps up. Well, you would think it would be where it wraps up. 
except for immediately after that, the people don't get the lesson. Instead, they grumble again against Moses and Aaron and say, oh, you've killed the Lord's people. Guys. Yeah, we did it. Seriously. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we made it's, the ground open. They, they didn't, you know, come and, and have some execution. They didn't right. stone them. Right. That happens in other places. This was all gone, 100%. Like you said, they didn't make the ground open. They didn't make the fire come out from the glory of the Lord. Um, so foolishness on the face of it. But on top of that, you just saw what happened to these people who grumbled against the Lord. You've you've already had plagues and fire and God's wrath and you know condemned to walk in the wilderness until you die. At some point, you'd think you're going to get the point. You're going to get the lesson. And yet, how often have we in the church learned these lessons over centuries and centuries? And here we are still in the same place still with the theological liberalism that says, well, I know the Bible says this, but we need to evolve with it. We need to, you know, it needs to be a living thing. That is exactly the opposite of everything that the scripture tells us. It, it, it either is the authority or it's no authority. This, you know, uh, it, it is the norm that cannot be normed. It can't be regulated and changed. It's not subject to the authority of other things. But we today like to say, well, I know this has been the teaching of the church forever. This has been the teaching of scripture. Uh, this has, has consistently for 2000 years been an understanding, but we know better things today. We understand differently. And therefore, whatever the roles are, they don't matter. Man, woman, yeah, you know, gender, don't get me, don't get me started. Gender man. doesn't really matter, you know, because it, God, God didn't really make you the way God made you. It was kind of an accident of, of science and evolution, and you just happened to be there. And we do the same thing when we're talking about roles within marriage or roles within the family or roles within the church. And so we have this egalitarian um, movement to say that all roles are for everyone, that you know, because men and women are equal, and they are, men and women are both equally holy before God, equally set apart to him, have equal access, have equal value, that all roles are for all people. Wait a minute. I don't get to determine that. Hold up. This is what God's word says. So when God says this is a role for men, this is a role for women, the questions about it should stop, right? In the same way that when God says Aaron's line, not because Aaron is better, not be, and we know that because God judges many of them, his two oldest sons who were authorized to, to bring offerings, brought an offering, an offering at an unauthorized time when they weren't authorized to do it, thinking that their personal role or value uh, made that sufficient, and God consumed them by fire. So they ain't special. it's not about who you are. And, and in our society today, the only thing that matters is who you are, who you who identify you, who you as, you right? So, you know, we focus on things like intersectionality. So we get excited when uh, somebody from a, from a disenfranchised group or, or from a minority or from, a, you know, a female or whatever gets a role that they haven't done. You know, just uh, I, I'm very happy that we celebrate what Martin Luther King uh, did or brought about or, or led in the civil rights uh, movement. This is, you know, as a lifelong race guy growing up in the 70s, these are good things. Not that everything Martin Luther King did was good, but, but that was good. 
but it was kind of telling when uh, I open up my NFL app on my phone to kind of see what's going on with the football weekend. Super wild card weekend, all these games going on. First week of the playoffs, big deal, right? Most of the stories were about, you know, the NFL recognizes Martin Luther King. So all these different, you know, racial reconciliation type stories going on. Not that any of that is bad, but isn't the point of the National Football League, you know, football, right? But the but the predominant thing was all celebrations, not the games. That, that we'll talk about that later. Not what's going on. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's fine. We'll talk about that later. But and racism and racism and racism. Listen, racism is a horrible and egregious sin. Nobody believes that more strongly than I do. But it is absolutely foolish for us to think we can end something by focusing all of our attention on it all the time so that the only thing that matters is exactly the opposite of what Dr. King stood for. Not trying to you know, elevate him above uh, God's word or anything else. But if we're going to celebrate Dr. King with, with MLK Day yesterday, then maybe, I, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy. It seems like maybe we should do so in keeping with the things that he stood for. Like, you know, when he had a dream that one day his children would be judged by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. Well, today we define the content of your character solely by the color of your skin, by your gender, by, you know, whatever ethnic group you're from, whatever, you know, disenfranchised uh, group I identify with. And nobody right now is at the forefront of that more than the, 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 the T in the LGBTQ mm-hmm. group. So everything is about the, the poor, oppressed, disenfranchised, transgender population. And the whole thing is ridiculous. And I'm not in any way you know, unsympathetic to those who struggle with uh, gender identity disorders, now called gender dysphoria. Uh, those, the, those few, and there are only truly a few in reality, who, who actually are wrestling with that. The, there's a great movement where it's just become popular. Of right? men going then, on TikTok and buying feminine hygiene and, products. And there are very, th- these are very different things. Right. People who deal with this, it's the same thing. Not everybody who embraces a homosexual lifestyle actually wrestles with same-sex attraction. And not everybody who wrestles with same-sex attraction actually embraces the lifestyle. So we need to separate the, the reality from the, uh, from the narrative that's being told. But as we're looking at, at all of these things together in, in last week's focus on the consecration and this week's focus on pride and presumption, the idea of living lives that are set apart for God means that God calls the shots. Mm-hmm. He determines it. When we determine, when we decide that, that I get to say, this is what I want to do, uh, that, that is exactly the opposite of submitting to God. That is resenting his sovereign choice. And that's, you know, one of the reasons there's been this debate between uh, folks who identify themselves as as Calvinists or identify themselves as Arminians uh, who are opposed uh, to Calvinism or Reformed teaching, largely because, not to get into the history of it too much, but when, when you go back to when the Remonstrants started this idea, and that's where the TULIP acronym for uh, Calvinist teaching came from. When that all happened, it was 
well, here's what we've been taught, but we don't like it. That, that's really what it comes down to. It's not that we don't see it in scripture. It's that we don't like it. We don't, yeah. we, we don't believe that this can be true or these two things can be true at the same time or, or whatever else. So the idea of God's sovereignty is good as long as God's not actually sovereign. So we believe that God is sovereign over all things, that he's all powerful, that he is all wise, that he's all loving, uh, until we get to something like God chooses whom he right. will save. Well, that that sounds like we don't have free will. Well, who said you're supposed to? I mean, that, that's the thing is we, we come to the scripture with our ideas because that's what we grew up with. Our framework then drives how we read it. Mm -hmm. So if I grow up in a Reformed church, I see this Calvinist stuff everywhere. If I grow up in an Arminian church, I, I see this, this free will focus, this semi-Pelagian focus, if you will, uh, everywhere. You can write to us and we can explain that stuff later. But, you know, the way I grow up, the way I was taught, the way my mama and my grandma, you know, taught me, that must be right. Right. So then when I come to the scripture, I end up rejecting what God actually says. Even when it's clearly here in black and white, my framework drives my understanding of the text rather than the text itself driving my framework. And I think the problem we're running into nowadays is people developing that framework later and later in life or, yes, or, yeah. or starting with a framework that wasn't exactly strong to begin with. And so they're easily influenced by a, a different one. I think that's one of the struggles with the evangelical movement as a lifelong evangelical, you know, when I was, real little growing up in a, in a United Methodist church for a, a minute uh, and associated with them through the family for a long time. Uh, my dad was from a Catholic background. I grew up in a Baptist church, but what I used to call a common sense Baptist church it was the Baptist general conference back then. Uh, <clears throat> now it's uh, converged mid America, but um, th those are the, those are the churches in my background. Now we're obviously in a, a non-denominational, um, what you might term a conservative evangelical uh, church, but but we, uh, the reason we don't have those labels is because we don't need people coming in deciding in advance. Right. Well, I don't like those people, and you're of those people. Right. If you don't like us, great, let us earn that. <laughs> come, come in and decide you don't like us because you don't like us, not because you don't like the labels. So that's kind of where we are. But you know, growing up in, in those backgrounds, I thought I was the only Arminian in in the church when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. Turns out most of them were. And I didn't find that out until after I uh, had somebody point out to me, the pastor at the time, uh, Dave Moorhead, for those of you who are listening who know Dave, or if Dave happens to catch this, um, he's now preaching in California. Uh, it took about a half an hour for him to show me scriptures and say, what about this, this, this? I'm like, oh, well, that's pretty clear. I'm going to have to figure out how to deal with that. Uh, and it changed my approach to things a lot. And so as we... Um, as we come to the text of scripture, we need to let the word speak to us. Mm. So God spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, this is how it's to be done. But Korah and his followers in direct violation of that said, well, we don't think that's how it should be done. Right. Here's what God said about the people being holy. So we're going to focus in on that part. And this other part, well, that doesn't make sense to us. So we're going to let go of that. And, and, and when I trust in my own understanding rather than trusting in God with all my heart, then I'm going to end up resenting 
God's sovereign choices. And God's sovereign choices ultimately determine whether or not I'm following him or I'm calling it following him while I'm actually following my own heart right. in a very Disney sort of religion. So. I mean, we only have a couple minutes left, but I feel like, again, we could go on and on about how often that happens today where mm. people just either ignoring right. certain parts or using their own interpretations to, or, or picking out a verse here and there. Right. And, and, you know, you can attach whatever you want to that. And it's, quite problematic. <laughs> well, and even right now, you know, there are people probably who have listened if they haven't already turned it off, who are angry just because I brought these things up. Right. You know, because I ever mentioned it or ever mentioned the role of women in ministry or whatever else. We didn't really develop any of that kind of stuff. All I'm saying is when I decide that I get to decide, then by definition, I am showing contempt for God's sovereignty. Right. That's exactly what Cora uh, and his followers did in this. We will stop for the, for now, for the, for now, for there. Um, <laughs> words are hard. Uh, but we're back. <laughs> words have always been hard. We're back in our regular schedule now, hopefully. So As uh, regular as, as it is. As regular gets. as it ever is. So, yeah, uh, catch us here every Tuesday uh, around 9, 9.30, you know, something, something you like know. that. Have a cup unless of coffee with us. Unless or, it's Wednesday or, or Thursday. Or 10.30. Or... <laughs> But yeah, we're back. So if you uh, this year, I guess I'll do a plug for the new year. Share the podcast. You know, Please do. Share it via Facebook like, or YouTube. All like, these subscribe. Things. Wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Apple, Spotify, all that jazz. All so. kidding aside, those things all all push the algorithm so that more people get to, to hear God's word through this podcast. For sure. And as usual, if you guys have any questions or comments, feel free to uh, leave us a message on Facebook, YouTube, or leave us a voicemail on the Anchor app or by calling the church at 269-756-RLCC or sending us an email at somethingrealatrealifineline.org. I think that works. Uh, if not, it will work very soon because I'm working on website stuff. So thank you guys for listening and we will catch you later. 